Well, good afternoon, everyone. I hope everyone is having a fantastic Friday. And welcome to this week's Fireside Chat. I'm Lisa Stearns, and I'm here with Tim Cross, our Senior Vice President. And uh, we'll be updating you on the status of COVID-19 cases within the university and the Institute. And of course, we'll be taking your questions today. Um, and what should make for a great session today is hearing from some of our students who are going to share their experiences of what life is like as a student during this pandemic. So as a reminder, um, be sure to keep your audio muted. Use the chat function on Zoom to ask any questions. You can post them publicly or you can send them to me privately. And as always, there will be a recording of this session made and posted to the UTIA coronavirus website. Um, you can find that link on our homepage at utia.tennessee.edu. So Tim, what does the case count look like for both students and employees right now, including self-isolations? Great, thanks uh, for kicking us off once again, Lisa, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good to see you once again, uh, and thanks for joining us for our fireside chat. So let me give uh, some quick updates just in terms of some numbers, just to give you all a feel for, uh, for what we're experiencing uh, both across the entire campus as well as uh, within the Institute itself. So right now, uh, and, and I say right now, these numbers uh, unfortunately are changing quite rapidly, but uh, the last time I checked, uh, we, there were seven positive cases among all employees, faculty and staff uh, throughout the University of Tennessee, Knoxville and Institute of Agriculture. And there were 363 positive cases among students. So one thing I would note there is compared to last week, the number of employees is essentially unchanged. Uh, we've been running somewhere between five or six or seven positive cases at any point in time among employees. But clearly, uh, if you recall from last week, the number of positive cases has grown uh, again. We've seen uh, increases there. So uh, that's the case, uh, sort of the data with regard to the uh, number of positive cases. As far as self-isolations uh, go, uh, we currently have 66 employees across the university that are in self-isolation. And we have a total of 1,581 students in self-isolation. So again, the numbers there uh, are compared to last week, uh, essentially the same number of employees in self-isolation this week as last week. Uh, but once again, uh, pretty significant increase in the number of students in self-isolation. So that gives you a snapshot of, of the entire uh, university. Now, if we narrow down our focus just a little bit, just to see, well, how are we doing uh, specifically among the Institute of Agriculture? Uh, I see that we have three active positive cases today among uh, UTIA employees, faculty and staff, uh, and that compares with two last week. So, you know, essentially unchanged uh, overall. If you're that uh, additional person, you don't feel good about that, but uh, our numbers are very, very low uh, among employees. And in terms of self-isolation, uh, we have 13 employees in self-isolation, and that number is the same as last week. So. Essentially, we're seeing no real change in status uh, with regard to positive cases and self-isolations uh, within the Institute. Uh, and we're also seeing no change among employees on campus, but clearly there's, there's been growth uh, in both positive cases and self-isolations uh, among the student body. 
So as it stands right now, we've actually also been seeing some decreases uh, in the state and in the region. So what do those numbers look like? Yeah, so it's, you know, we always want to think about, well, okay, we know what it's like here. What about around the state or around the country? And, and it's, again, a very dynamic environment. So what I share with you now is from what I looked at a little while ago, which is probably going to be different by the end of the day. But uh, the most recent data that I saw indicated there are uh, 19 states right now that are increasing in terms of the number of new cases. So the rate of increase is increasing in 19 states. Uh, the good news is that means in 31 states uh, approximately, because we've also got territories to consider, but uh, the, the majority or the rest of the uh, states and territories are either steady or decreasing uh, across the country. So that again is, is pretty similar to last week. No, no significant change. Uh, and again, uh, at the state level in Tennessee, we're continuing to see fairly steady number of new cases uh, at about 1,500 new cases daily. That's above where we were uh, late spring, early summer, but it's definitely below the levels that we were uh, experiencing uh, in June and July of this year. So we've seen some improvement, but it's stabilized at, at this point at, at again, uh, about 1,500 new cases daily. So what, what do I make of all those numbers? And, and there's a zillion numbers out there you can look at uh, from a number of different perspectives. And, and honestly, you can, uh, I think, really discourage yourself or you can get a false sense of security either way, depending on how you uh, look at and interpret some of these statistics. What, what it tells me is as a country, as a state, and even uh, amongst our workforce, uh, we're, we're at least now understanding how to control the outbreaks for the most part. We're stabilizing and, and at least uh, not increasing rapidly at this point. Uh, now what we've got to do is turn the corner and figure out how do we decrease uh, our, our number of new cases daily, push that number down, and therefore push down the, the total number of cases across the country, across the state, and, and on our campus as well. So I think that's the, the takeaways from that uh, at this point. Uh, another takeaway clearly is, is that, uh, you know, we, we expected some uh, positive cases to occur among students. You don't bring 30,000 young people together and, and not have some uh, transmission occur amongst uh, a group of individuals that likes to socialize, likes to interact. Uh, you and I and, and everyone who uh, experienced that age at one point can, can remember that and reflect on that. What we're faced with is how do we really support behavior change so that we can uh, stabilize those numbers as well and move that population to, uh, to a decreasing number of cases uh, in the near term too. So that's my assessment of where we're at. I'm not an epidemiologist, uh, I'm not a health expert, but uh, from everything I've looked at, from the conversations I've heard, the briefings I've read uh, that, that I think captures uh, our current status. And, and honestly, I take away many positives from that overall. Uh, we could be uh, struggling in with much higher numbers, including even student numbers uh, compared to some other uh, universities. So I, I think we can uh, take some, uh, some positives away from that too. And not sound like a broken record, but we need to keep these safety measures continuing. Absolutely. Now is not the time to relax, give up, or or loosen our grip uh, on, 
on all those practices, uh, including hand washing, face masks, social distancing, uh, staying home when sick, uh, reporting uh, on our self-isolation form. All those things, I think, are why we have been able to maintain uh, our workforce levels at very low levels and provide a, a healthy and safe uh, environment uh, for us to do our work. So you mentioned students being back, and of course we have been excited to see their smiling faces. Um, but uh, we also know that student life has pretty much been upended by this pandemic. Um, and today we have some special guests that I know you'd like to introduce to everyone. Yeah, I sure would. And I really appreciate them uh, for giving up some time this afternoon. And, and as I thought about what are some, you know, messages that might be helpful for, for our institute to hear, I thought, you know, we really haven't heard from one major group that we're here to serve, that, that we're really focused on helping, and that is our, our youth and students uh, that are affiliated uh, with the Institute of Agriculture. So uh, we're going to meet uh, this afternoon Carly Cochran, who's a student at Hickman County High School, and she's the current Tennessee 4-H governor. We're also going to meet Bryce Kroll, who's a junior in plant sciences uh, with the Herbert College of Agriculture. And finally, uh, we're going to meet Kelsey uh, Hayes Anderson who is in the College of Veterinary Medicine. And I'm really looking forward to uh, you and, and me as well getting better acquainted with, with each of these students. So I think uh, we'll just jump right in. And, and uh, for our panelists, uh, I'll guide you through and, and I'll call on each of you for a response just so that we don't have those awkward moments of silence wondering who's gonna talk next. So Carlin, uh, if you will, let's start with you. Uh, and to help us know you a little bit better, tell us just uh, a few things like where you are in school, your hometown, your year in school, and what you hope to do following high school graduation. Well, as he said, I'm a senior at Hickman County High School, and I live in Centerville, Tennessee. I'm not super sure about my plans after high school right now. UT is definitely on the list for me, so something I want to look uh, deeply into as uh, part of my future, and I'm looking at pursuing theater education as a career. Great, thank you, Carly, and and for uh, or Carlin, uh, for all the uh, faculty on the line, be sure to follow up with Carlin. She did say she was uh, keeping Tennessee on her list of possible uh, places to study, so we'll we'll be sure to follow up on that. So let's move now to Bryce. Uh, Bryce, if you would share uh, just a little bit about yourself, like your major, your hometown, your year in school, and, and what, if any, post-graduation plans you have. Hi, Dr. Cross, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm from Knoxville, so I'm right here at home. Uh, obviously, I study plant sciences, but my concentration is in biotechnology and genetics. Um, my post-graduation plans, I actually just returned from uh, this summer at Marine Corps Officer Candidate School. Uh, so when I complete my education here at the University of Tennessee, I will be commissioned into the Marine Corps as a lieutenant. Uh, but before then, I've spent since my freshman year working in uh, the Dr. Stewart's lab, his plant genetics lab, and I plan on completing a graduate degree, likely in plant molecular biology, before I move on to the Marine Corps. Very good. Well, you've got a definite path in mind and one that we can all be proud of and, and uh, support you in uh, as you move that direction. Thank you, Bryce. Uh, Kelsey, how about you? Would you give us a little bit of your background, your hometown? Uh, maybe tell us where you got your bachelor's degree, where you're at uh, in terms of your uh, years of study in, in uh, veterinary school, and what your areas of interest are within uh, veterinary college. 
Hi everyone, um, thank you again for having me. I'm very honored to be invited to this fireside chat. Um, I'm not quite as local as um, the other two panelists. I'm from a small rural town in North Carolina called Crumpler. Um, no one's probably heard of it, it's very rural. Um, I received my bachelor's degree in cellular and molecular biology at Appalachian State University, um, which is kind of in the Western um, area in the mountains. Currently, I am a third year veterinary student graduating in 2022. Um, I'm interested in small animal GP and shelter medicine with special interest in ophthalmology. Great. Well, we're again pleased to have each of you with us today. So now that we know just a little more about you, let me uh, let's get into sort of what what things have been like uh, the past six months or so. And, and again, I'll start with Carlin. Carlin, tell us what it's been like to be a student and, and a 4-H member uh, this year uh, since the outbreak of COVID. Well, it almost feels like we have to start from the beginning in a way. None of us really know what's going on half the time. And I know that's just everyone right now. Um, the lack of 4-H this year has been especially heartbreaking, I'm not going to lie, for me and for all the Tennessee 4-Hers. Um, but it's, it's the best time to start practicing 4-H in your own life. You know, even though we're not having these large events, 4-H is still going on for us personally. Sorry, my light just went out. And, um, and it's the perfect time to practice personal development, which is a 4-H project. So uh, we've been able to do that. I am personally a healthy living ambassador for my county. So um, I've gotten to make a few videos for the Hickman County 4-H page and stuff like that. And I know honor clubs across the state are still meeting. Zoom is definitely being utilized for 4-Hers as well as it is for y'all. So. Um, things are still moving for 4-H and for the 4-H world. We have uh, a council event coming up. And this is the first time we've all seen each other since February. So we're really excited to get back together in um, a social distancing manner um, as we can right now. So thank you. Great. Thank you. And, and are you back in school uh, in terms of high school? Yes, I am. Um, I went back at the beginning of August. So we've been back for about a month and there's so many new regulations for us at school. Um, we don't personally have to wear masks at school, but we still have to um, social distance within our classrooms. Um, our desks are obviously different than they would have been set up last year. We've had a few positive cases at our school um, and that uh, leads to other students being sent home to isolate because of their exposure to those who tested positive. So we've had to deal with that. And we also have an online option at our school for the students who felt like it was safer for them to do school from home this year. Um, but for me personally, I wanted to go back to school. I'm definitely an extrovert and um, I was fine with, you know, coming out of my house that I've been in since March and getting back into a bit of normalcy, so. Great, thank you. Uh, Bryce, how about you? Would you like to talk about uh, what it was like coming back to campus this fall uh, as compared to maybe your more normal experiences in prior years? Sure, Dr. Cross. <clears throat> so uh, I'm actually comfortable telling you all that I am one of those students who is uh, one of the positive cases for COVID. So I can probably also give some perspective on uh, the students that do test positive or in isolation uh, have to deal with when they have in-person classes as well as online classes. 
Uh, but the experience coming back, I think for the upperclassmen, isn't necessarily uh, that bad because they already have experience with a lot of stuff was already online beforehand uh, with Canvas. It's fairly easy for us to navigate, especially when the professors um, are familiar with the online programs. Uh, but I look at the freshmen who are just now coming in. I think it's a lot more difficult for them because they've never had to use these programs before. And uh, first year students already have trouble transitioning into uh, the college workload. So I think that um, whatever can be done to help them uh, would, would help out. But as for my experience, I've had three online, three in person. So I've seen both formats and how they work. Uh, of course, the in-person experience for most classes, in my opinion, can't be replaced with online. But I think professors, for the most part, have done an excellent job of making up for that. Um, and towards the end, I have some particular professors I think can be modeled off of later. Um, but I hope that answers your question. Really, it's, it's everyone has to adapt to this. It looks like uh, this is probably a good thing for folks to get used to because in the future, I'm sure that more online programs like this are going to be utilized. So does that answer your question? It sure does. Thanks very much for sharing, Bryce. Uh, Kelsey, how about you? Um, I would have to echo a lot of what Bryce said. Um, my personal experience on returning to classes has been very positive. Um, my surgery spay-neuter elective has been allowed to stay in person, which is an extreme blessing. I'm super excited for me. Um, and it's been very encouraging to see all of my professors and peers in that class um, go the extra mile to stay safe about the distancing between our surgery tables, our personal protective equipment, and the sanitation, everything like that. So I feel very safe in all of the labs, and I'm very happy with the level of commitment that my peers and my um, professors have shown. Um, it is harder on the first year students. I have had a lot of the first year vet students um, already reaching out for tutoring. So um, I am kind of the SGA type president of the vet school, and so I help coordinate the tutoring service at the school. And I know it's been really hard on them because the transition is just such a higher workload going from undergrad to vet school. And so they are struggling, but I think that they are taking it seriously. Um, a lot of their labs are in person, which is still encouraging. So I think the majority of them are still having a positive experience. Yeah, good to hear. And you know, I, I share with a lot of folks that uh, we're, we're, most of us still learning how to do things, but the College of Veterinary Medicine has never shut down uh, throughout the pandemic. We figured out in the college how to manage things, how to do them safely. Uh, and I think it, it provides a great example for all of us. So I'm, I'm glad to hear your perspective there, Kelsey. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the fact that a lot of things have changed, obviously, since last spring. And actually, a couple of you have touched on this already. But I'm wondering if there's any changes that you've experienced that you feel actually might be an improvement over the way things used to be done. Uh, so we know we we tend to view change as a negative thing, but I guess the point of this question is, are there changes that have occurred that you really think are, are quite positive and actually might be something that we uh, continue to pursue in the future? And let me change the order here and jump to uh, Kelsey first this time. Um, this is a very biased opinion because um, I am very extroverted and I do miss my peers very much. So I hate being all online. Um, labs have been great, but there's a very high risk, high reward situation because some of my professors have taken the initiative to pre-record all of their lectures and then labs are um, via Zoom case studies. And 
it's kind of nice to be able to look at my schedule and say, oh, I have a block of time. Let me jump ahead to tomorrow's schedule and I'll do a couple of these lectures so I don't have to stay as late. That's very nice and I do enjoy that. However, it's very easy to get behind in these lectures if you focus on one class that's pre-recorded and then you're like, oh, I'm now five behind in this other class. So I feel like it's very high risk, high reward, but um, it's working pretty good this semester. Also, um, less drive time has allowed for me to be able to keep my house cleaner, to exercise more. So on a personal level, it's kind of nice not having to travel so far to school every day and allows me to keep a better work-life balance. But I know some of my classmates are struggling more with that initiative to stay on top of everything than some of the others. So that's a very biased opinion. Well, that's fine. We wanted your opinion, so uh, appreciate that. I'm impressed that your house is cleaner as a result of COVID. Uh, wish I could say the same. Uh, Bryce, how about you? Is your house cleaner now that uh, now that you're experiencing COVID? <laughs> I'd say so. I hope I always kept it that way. But um, what I'd say what's really improved from the spring, in my opinion, is the communication between professors and students has improved a lot. Uh, beforehand, I think everyone was scrambling. Um, and even in the fall, you know, a lot of times you would have uh, everything was still on Canvas before then. The, and for those that don't know, Canvas is the online uh, format where all classes go, um, or most classes will have like a Canvas page where you can find your assignments and in readings. Um, beforehand, you'd have professors that had nothing on there and uh, students could be confused. Now, almost every professor has one that's really good. It's very easy to navigate. Um, and then also the professors are just more knowledgeable on how to use this technology. So before it was commonplace to miss lectures because the, uh, those teaching it didn't quite understand how technology works. So you could tell that over the summer and during the spring, they were all educated on how to do that for the most part. Um, going off what Kelsey said, uh, absolutely. The, another pro would be able to, would be getting ahead in your classes, but it can go the other way as well. Um, just speaking with my peers, almost everybody honestly feels like they're falling behind. I think part of that, because um, I know you asked for things have improved, but since we're on the subject, um, the one critique that I would have if I could go and tell every one of my professors this, is it seems that there is a perception that because classes are online now, that students have more time in their schedule to a lot for each class. So you'll find where uh, you'll have a three or four credit hour class where normally you would just go to that lecture, learn your material, and then you know study on your own. Well, now they'll, they'll give you um, several hours of, of material to read and watch, and then you still go to that lecture and receive a lecture or some kind of practice. And while it actually does help me learn the material better, uh, it does require more of a time commitment that wasn't there before. And many students still have you know, their work schedules um, and other things like that. So that's the critique that I would give. Great, Thank thanks you. Bryce. And, and it's possible some of your faculty just heard those remarks. So they, they've got that critique as well. And I'll t I'm sure they'll take it in the most positive manner. So uh, appreciate you sharing, uh, thanks. And, and it's good to have both the, the pluses and the minuses too. Appreciate your remarks there. So Carlin, uh, how about you? Have you observed things that really uh, you think might be a benefit to the 4-H program uh, and or your high school experience as a result of uh, what you've experienced uh, through the pandemic? 
Yeah, unlike a lot of other students, I feel like I have enjoyed utilizing Zoom for my classes and especially for 4-H because um, since we, since Tennessee is so wide and we have 4-Hers from every county in Tennessee, sometimes it's hard to get all of us in one place. So utilizing Zoom even after the pandemic is over is a good idea in my opinion. You know, we'll never replace seeing each other in real life, but when it comes to convenience, you really can't beat it. Um, I have, of course, learned a lot of skills during quarantine that I probably wouldn't have if I was still in school. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, I was able to do some writing and I, I write music and I've done some writing and I've learned all kinds of crafts. And so um, it, it was definitely a time to better myself as much as I could, um, as much as I hated it. But there were a couple of benefits from the whole situation, I would say. Very good. Uh, always good to invest in ourselves. So. Uh... Nice to hear you've had some time and, and taken the, the uh, opportunity to do that. So let's wrap up my questions to you with one last brief question, and then we'll see uh, what questions the audience might have. And this last one for our panel, I wonder if there's anyone or anything that you'd like to mention that had a particularly positive role in your return to classes or your return to uh, 4-H activities. And Bryce, we'll put you on the spot to, to start off this one. Well, I'd say that uh, I don't know if he's on this call now, but I know John Cummins, he's a, a professor in fruit and vegetable crops. Um, if there are any professors that want to see an example of a professor that has made an excellent online program for his class, it would be him. Uh, it's very well organized. The students uh, have no trouble finding anything, and he's probably the best professor I have when it comes to correspondence. Um, he's very involved with his students in making sure that everyone is on the same page because it's very easy with these online classes uh, for students to become disorganized. Um, same thing, This she's not in the College of Agriculture or in UTIA, but a main campus uh, professor, Dr. Spark, um, she's a plant physiology professor. I think she sets a great example for uh, other teachers that want to have an example on how to set their classes. Um, the reason that I'm calling her out is because uh, she is able, she's found a way to uh, set up her class in real time, both virtually and in person. So you can be watching her lecture while she's actually giving you. Uh, one thing that I've noticed having uh, tested positive and had to go into quarantine is most of my in-person classes besides hers will post their lecture afterwards. So I'll be, my schedule is pushed back a couple hours each day because I have to wait for those to be uh, posted, whereas hers, I'm able to stay on that normal schedule. Um, that's what I'd say. And I also uh, just a shout out to the the leaders of UTIA as well as the uh, university as a whole. I don't envy your position. A lot of tough decisions had to be made uh, in the spring. And now, obviously, you're going to hear students and faculty and staff, everyone complain uh, if we sent students home or if we brought them back, no matter what, people are going to be unhappy. So I think it's been handled fairly well. So thank you for that. Good, we'll come back to that and ask you even more about those positive remarks, but uh, thanks very much, Bryce. And great, great examples of things uh, that, are, that have been positives uh, from your experience. Thank you. Carlin, anybody uh, you'd like to call out or anything that, that you've experienced uh, that was particularly positive? Um, yes, I, 
I've uh, had a pretty good time back at school, actually. Um, aside from all the things that we've had to do differently, it was good to see um, my friends again, and especially one teacher that I have, his name is Mr. Dotson, and we talk about the pandemic every single day, and I've learned how to really dig deeper into the statistics and the science behind it, and uh, you know, diving deeper into, into what's really going on and how it's being handled, and uh, my personal opinions about everything. So um, I'm glad that I was, that I'm able to be back at school so I can, you know, have a different perspective of what's going on. Yeah, thank you. Kelsey, you get the last word on this one and then we'll open up to questions from our audience. Um, I'd really like to thank our Dean Thompson. Uh, he has done a phenomenal job of the communication with emails um, about COVID, about the cases in our faculty. Um, it was mentioned um, CVM hospital has not shut down this entire time and that the students above me in their fourth year have been working clinics this whole time and um, they have been doing a phenomenal job with their patients and flexibility. So it's really been an encouragement to see those people go before me and show us that it can be done. So they're really an inspiration. And then also a couple of our professors like Dr. Morandi and Dr. Thomas, um, which do radiology and neurology um, respectively. They have done an excellent job of doing real-time Zoom lectures and doing great PowerPoints and answering questions right on the um, bat and getting things uploaded. So just the organization of most of my professor, professors have been phenomenal. Great, thanks uh, Kelsey. That feedback's uh, very helpful and, and certainly welcome. Well, Lisa, what, uh, what questions do we have uh, from our audience today from this fine group of uh, students and youth? Well, we do have a couple. Um, first of all, um, Bryce, uh, if you're comfortable doing so, would you be willing to share a little bit more about your experience actually testing positive for COVID and how you are doing? Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, so I'm fine. I tested positive last Friday, uh, but I likely had it for a few days before then. Um, it was one of my roommates I was exposed to. He's exposed by a, a girlfriend. You, the contact tracing all happened, but um, the experience has been uh, fairly, to be honest, almost like a vacation because normally I spend every, uh, every minute outside of class um, in the lab doing some kind of research uh, in Dr. Stewart's lab. So I've been able to get outside more, but from a student perspective, uh, it has been somewhat frustrating mainly with communication with some professors. Uh, you know, that wasn't as, uh, like, for example, I don't want to necessarily call one out, but um, like there was one I, I still haven't heard from at all. So, and it, there is no live lectures. So I'm very, uh, a little bit confused on what I'm supposed to be doing in this class. And I'm sure there's other students that have had to deal with that. Um, the university did a very good job of keeping in contact with me. I constantly was getting emails from them um, and it was very quick, uh, but all in all, it, uh, it, it's really not been that bad. You just spend your quarantine period doing what most other students are doing if they have online courses, and that's just uh, making sure you stay on top of them. It's very easy to fall behind. Does that answer your question or whoever asked it? I believe so, so thank you for being willing to share that. Um, so you three, I'm sure, have heard that cases are 
proliferating very quickly in uh, lots of university settings and even high schools, Carmen. Um, we keep hearing that it's students really not using the best practices um, and really exhibiting what some are considering not the best behavior. Um, what is it you guys are seeing? Are you actually seeing that as, as a big issue? Um, I can answer this. I, I have not seen it to be an issue for my community personally. Um, we definitely don't have a lot of cases as compared to the bigger cities like Knoxville and Nashville. So um, students, you know, changing their lives for the sake of safety this year has been almost mentally damaging. So if, if a student group were to almost break, you know, guidelines with, you know, not uh, in a defiant sort of way, but if they were to seek some sort of normalcy, I don't think our, um, our faculty and staff would be trying to shut that down, if you know what I mean. Um, if, if we were in danger, our faculty and staff know what they need to do to help us and they know what they need to do to fix that situation. But I have personally not seen any defiant measures to be an issue in my community. Kelsey, what about I can you? answer that question. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, say, I can answer that question as well from uh, the perspective on, uh, on campus as an undergraduate. I will say uh, that definitely a lot of guidelines are not being followed. Uh, and I know that it's expected a lot of times among undergraduates, you have to expect that level of deviation from the guidelines. But for example, if you were to, uh, tonight actually, Friday night, if you were to go over and step into any of the bars, I mean, you're going to see that they're packed with undergraduates. So there's definitely spreading happening there. Um, but what you have seen is since the beginning of the semester, the number of folks that are having really large gatherings that aren't following social distancing protocols or wearing masks has gone down. Uh, and that is mainly due to the, uh, the stricter measures that the university is taking on students that decide not to follow those guidelines, mainly uh, with those, I believe, four students that may be getting suspended, as well as the four or five organizations that are currently on probation or suspended. Uh, but from my perspective, that's just what I've seen. Uh, a lot of times students are going to maybe think more in the short term than the long term on some things. Um, but for most of it, it's actually, it has been mitigated a good bit. Um, I will say that I've had a slightly different interpretation than um, Bryce's experience on the undergrad campus, just because um, we are a professional program and the bar was set pretty high as soon as we entered that if we did anything that compromised the professional appearance of CVM that we would be excused um, on different, different levels. Um, interpret that how you will. Um, but I've honestly been very encouraged by the maturity of my peers. I'm sure there are a couple CVM students that are probably not following protocol. I'm not saying we're perfect, but I will say that um, the maturity level of students from high school to undergrad to CBM to even adults, their maturity level is so vast that I think some people just 
have different priorities in mind and they may not think what they're doing is actually that impactful, that they're just impacting themselves. They may not be thinking about the other people around them. Um, I don't think there's any way to combat that other than just, you know, like Bryce said, that the high measures being taken against students and organizations um, that disrespectfully, you know, had large gatherings and were punished. Um, now it's kind of becoming real that, hey, there are consequences, even if you don't get sick. Um, I will say that um, SAVMA, which kind of serves as the SGA for the vet school, um, we coordinate all of the clubs on CVM. And from the very beginning, we have uh, worked with administration to talk about there will be no in-person meeting of any kind. There will be no wet labs. And that's been very disheartening um, for a lot of clubs and me for having to be the one to tell them this. But um, they have done an amazing job of finding creative ways to make Zoom interactive and finding speakers across the country on a variety of um, subjects. So we have been doing pretty good, but I think a lot of people are scared to not go to clinics and graduate on time. So I think we have a little bit more pressure about following the rules. Well, those are all the questions. Anything the three of you want to add? Any other thoughts? Dr. Cross, back to you. Well, great. Uh, you know, it's been really good to hear from, from these young people, and I, I think I can say that because of my age, uh, but uh, uh, Bryce, uh, Kelsey, and Carlin, uh, thanks so much for joining us today, for sharing your, your honest experiences and your perspectives. I think, uh, you know, we can learn a lot uh, from talking with, with those that we serve, uh, including uh, our students uh, and our 4-H members, and uh, your, your uh, sharing with us today will definitely help us down the road, and we appreciate you giving up your time. I also think uh, if, if we all continue to work together, uh, not only uh, faculty and staff, but our students as well, we will make positive progress. We'll see uh, some decrease uh, in the number of cases as, as we move ahead. And I think as Bryce indicated, I think, you know, it's a matter of uh, getting some momentum in that direction. And as he indicated, I think we are starting to see that among our undergraduate uh, students. So that's good news. Uh, I do uh, have, you know, good confidence we can get over the hump here uh, and start to drive the cases down and continue to focus then on what we're really all about. Uh, which is education, research, and outreach. So uh, looking forward to that. I know many of us on the call today are probably looking forward to the Labor Day weekend, but let me also take a moment to say thanks to those of you who are going to be teaching on Monday, uh, since uh, Monday is a scheduled class day. So while some are off, uh, others will be at work, and, and I want to especially thank those who are going to give up uh, Monday from a normal holiday uh, be able to, uh, to conduct classes. So to all of you, uh, take care, enjoy the weekend. If you're required to work on Monday, remember you can still take a day off. It, it will just be some other day besides Monday, uh, but be sure to use that deferred holiday prior to December 31st. We definitely want everyone to benefit from the Labor Day holiday sometime this fall, either on Monday or at some future date. So with that, uh, I'll wrap up my remarks. Say thanks to everyone and, and thanks once again to all of our students for joining us today. Thanks everyone.